Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, giving updates and staff meetings, part two. Here we go. So those are some good recommendations in terms of a meta or a process level in terms of how to brief. So now let me ask you, what do we brief? Yeah. You know, it's funny when we talk to managers about this time and I say, okay, hey, give me a sense of what your team does and so on. They say, well, it's pretty complicated. It's always. <laughs> in fact, I remember I had a boss once who had a habit of going to cocktail parties. And when somebody asked her what our firm did, she says, oh, it's very complicated. And their eyes would glaze over. And she would say, you know, nobody, nobody will ever get our business. It's too, it's too complicated. I'm like, no, it's not. She says, well, yeah, it is. I said, well, <laughs> how is it you're able to do it? And she said, well, I mean, it's not complicated for me. I said, are you just so much smarter than everybody else that it's not complicated for you, but it's complicated for everybody else? She says, well, it is. It's hard to explain. I said, no, tell them this, you know, one sentence. She says, well, that's an oversimplification. I said, okay, but if what we do is so complicated, aren't you going to have to oversimplify it in order to have an answer? Or do you just say it's complicated? I don't want to get into it. Look, you don't work. For, we don't work for the CIA. And what happens is managers all the time say to us, well, you know, it's really hard to describe what we do and blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, then you go to a, a staff meeting and their staff meeting looks like all the others we've ever been to. Which, by the way, the first thing we notice is they start late, they finish late, they don't have an agenda, and the presentations are really pretty bad. But look, it's simple, folks. It really is simple. Now, um, I told somebody something yesterday, but I'm going to say it's simple. And of course, the three things we need to talk about are your accomplishments, collaboration, and things you need help on. Okay. But I also want to say something else. I mentioned this to somebody the other day, and I got a, a really good look on their face. I'll probably say it more in the coming years, and unless I get negative responses from people. Mike, I don't know that I've shared this with you. I, I may have, which is th this particular manager said to me, Mark, management is too complex. You can't cover everything. I said, you're right. I mean, I've got thousands of casts to produce, but I suppose there'll be some topics we don't touch on. There'll certainly be some topics we don't touch on in as much detail as some people want. And that's just our prerogative. We just disagree about how important some things are. I said, but look, manager tools and career tools are for 90% of the people 90% of the time. If you listen to the career tools casts, you're going to have an answer to 90%, you know, not, not yet today, but in a few years, you'll have 90% of the answers for 90% of the situations you're going to be in, which essentially means a little over 80. If you multiply 90 by 90, it's 80 plus percent of the situations you're in. If you can master 80% of the situations you're in, you're going to be in the top 1% of people in terms of managing their career, or in the case of manager tools cast, being an effective manager. By definition, your accomplishments, collaboration, and help is a simplification in order to help you structure the way you talk. There are times, one out of every 10, probably actually one out of every, uh, every 20, where you're going to need to change this slightly. But this is the way that effective managers start out. When they think of the agenda in their head, they think, okay, what have I done? Where can I help other people? Where are we collaborating? And, and where do I need help? And there are going to be times when you'll need to change this, but this is a way to get you started. It's not the perfect solution. You shouldn't try to brief every week this week this way all the time, but in 90% of the cases, it's going to be fine. Number one is accomplishments. Look, it's easy. What have you achieved in the past week? 
And by the way, don't stand up and just read things. We did X, we did Y, we did Z. Don't act as if you're reading just random sentences boringly. You don't want to embellish too much, but hey, listing accomplishments, accomplishments are a good thing. And uh, the fact that other people are looking for conflict and drama to some degree, and so therefore you think that you really ought to only talk about your weaknesses or your negatives, not true. Because if you sit around doing nothing but, to- nothing but talking about your negatives, I promise you, you're going to be perceived as somebody who goes around with nothing but negatives. So what have you achieved in the past week? What were the tasks that you needed to get done? Did you get them done? What do you need to get done this week? Now, this isn't an opportunity to tell everyone how hard your week was or how difficult your tasks were. It's just a factual update. You know, you're not unburdening yourself. Talk to us about what your team accomplished. And it doesn't have to be just what you worked on. We see, I see a lot of narcissistic managers who just talked about what they worked on and they don't realize that if you're a manager, now, of course, if you're an individual briefing, then of course it's going to be what you worked on. But if you're a manager, you've got to include the input from your team as well. Hopefully you know that without pinging them every week. Okay. Hey, what'd you do this week? But if you need to do that in order to start preparing for the meeting, do so. The second thing is collaboration, what you can help other people with. What time or skills do you have that can be used in the service of your teammates, your peers, in the next week? What have you learned in the last week that you can use to help other people? What work is happening that you might have expertise or productive time or resources that might be of help? Yeah. I love the order in which you present those because the next one yeah. Oh, is, yeah. oh, is yeah. help. What, what, what do you need help with, right? And the fact that you started off with collaboration, thinking about helping others before thinking about how others can help you is powerful, right? Because if you run yeah. out of time, man, wouldn't it be better to be helping others? Yeah, the meme of individuality in large organizations, the lack of first thoughts about collaboration is, is almost always astounding to me. We're going to a client next week and and um, we need a senior executive to kick off the session we're going to have with a few um, mid-level managers. And, and um, the discussion was around, well, I'm not sure he's a good example because he has so many relationships across the organization. Nobody th- feels like he works that hard. I'm like, <laughs> what? In other words, you think that working hard is a badge of courage somehow that because he has a lot of relationships and he's able to help other people and get other people to help him, his job is easier. He's gotten promoted faster than almost anybody else. And you're saying he's a bad example? Well, you know, we want people to be good at their own individual jobs, not rely on other people. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's specifically elevated. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You don't talk about what you need help with without first offering your help to other people. Yeah. And then point point C, number three, if you will, help what I need help with. What do you need help with? Who do you need help from? This is an opportunity to tap into your colleagues' networks. You know, if you're smart and if Mike and I are peers and we're in a meeting and I need help with Project X and I'm going to mention to Mike that I need help with Project X because Mike has a friend, I might very well do be smart to tell Mike in advance, hey, by the way, I'm going to ask you in the staff meeting about help from your buddy Joe. And, you know, I just love for you to be able to reach out to him before and then we can both look good to the boss when you say, yeah, I, I'll happy to reach out to Joe. I'm sure it'll be fine. And then afterwards, you've actually already reached out to Joe and we save a couple of extra days with you not being surprised. But don't think that having things you need help with makes you look weak, okay? 
And look, this is overly simplified, but who's weakest? The person who asks for help or the person who hides the problem, maybe even for weeks until it becomes major. And then the only person that really can help is the boss, right? Your fear of being thought weak causes you to be thought very weak later on. It's a strength to know when you need help and to ask for it. Now, it might be that in a given week, you think you're okay. You don't need help. But don't think that excising this particular part of the briefing week after week sends a message that you're strong because everybody knows on every team that people need help from one another. And there are people who will offer you help and people that won't. And it's good to know who will offer you help and who the, the, who won't. And when you get promoted and you look down at the seven or eight people you used to work with, the people who never offered to help, those are probably people you wouldn't want to promote because as a manager, they're going to have to be helping people all the time. And they're probably selfish and individualistic rather than team-based, which is part of what makes for effective managers. Yeah. And then let me ask you a question in terms of, how you think about a particular topic. And the topic is data, right? So I'm briefing the team. I'm going and I have lots of data. It's a fairly complex topic I want to talk about. How do you recommend I handle that? I've seen people do it a lot of different ways, right? People come to the meeting, they hand out prior to their part of the discussion, this big, long spreadsheet with 20 pages to it. I've seen people try to handle it verbally. And it's just, well, I'm I want to hear what you have to say, but for me, it's almost impossible to follow somebody who embeds just a ton of data when they're trying to brief it verbally. So how do you, yeah. how do you handle that? So I think what happens is people think of this as a meeting. And so they think if I'm going to give a presentation in a meeting, I got to have all my data there and so on. But if you only have 10 minutes in staff meetings, it's really unlikely. There are, there are exceptions. Remember 90% of the people, 90% of the time. So there are exceptions, but generally speaking, when it comes to staff meetings, you have your stuff in writing and send it if it's required after the meeting. Okay. This is my experience now. Verbal updates with too much data in them are confusing to other people. And people spend a lot of time getting, you know, I promise you, there's going to be two people in the room out of 10 who who immediately start digging into the data and go, well, where'd you get this data? Where'd you get that? And then suddenly your 10 minutes are eaten up. If you're the kind of person who feels the need for all the background data in order for you to feel confident, which by the way, folks, you're in charge of your confidence. The data isn't, but it's likely that you're providing too much data for three quarters of the people in the room. Look, have it available for sure. If somebody wants to see it, you can hand it to them. But don't try and give it out. Don't try to give it all in your briefing. You remember, bottom line up front means you can't talk about all the details. And you've got to learn how to separate the important from the less important. This is a part of becoming a professional, understanding that not all of the data has equal weight. And the moment you agree to that, then you must, by definition, qualify or put quality measures on the data and say some data has more value. And therefore, if you only have 10 minutes when you want an hour, then you must talk about that data, which you can fit in that 10 minutes. But that means by definition, not all the data. And if you're listening to this, folks, and you're saying to yourself, I really feel the need to give out all the data, then the problem with your statements starts with the first three words, I really feel. That's not about the audience. That's you imposing your approach on everybody else in the room. And it's not helpful to groups to get all of the data. When a group has to make a decision, when a group has to work together, we expect the person who's the expert to be able to synthesize the data into something that's helpful to us. 
it's the nature of allowing uh, the benefit of, of separation of labor, right? Uh, so, I'm sorry, specialization of labor and the ability for people to make decisions about the levels of importance and all of the details that go into all the decisions we make. So I'm sorry, long answer about quality of data and so on, but have it in writing and send it if required after the meeting. Please don't hand out big debts, decks at staff meetings unless you hand out the deck and say, look, we're going to focus on the first two pages. For the rest of you, you can look at the rest of it. Although I'll, I promise you, there'll be a quarter of the room there um, and maybe more in some technical organizations. They're going to start flipping through page 20, page 30, page 40, and I have questions about it. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. If you're going to hand out something yeah. in a deck that you don't want people to look at, and you don't expect questions on or you don't want questions on, it, it's a total crapshoot whether you're going to get it or not. Yep. And often you will get the questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got to talk about the, the next point, which is speak up. This is amazing to me, the number of folks that go to a staff meeting. And, and let's, let's say the manager doesn't run staff meetings the way we suggest staff meetings be run. Because if you were working for me, you'd have to speak up because you have you right. have 10 minutes. You better fill them up. But the number of folks who go to meetings and don't say a word the entire time, even though they have great ideas in their head, they're, they're, they're participating. They think they're participating, but there's no behavior to suggest they are. It's like the Einstein story, which is apocryphal, which he didn't talk until he was six years old. And then one, one evening at dinner, he said, the soup is cold. And his parents said, my gosh, Albert, you, you spoke and it's taking you so long to speak. Why? Why? He says, well, up until now, everything was in order. Right. It's like, well, I, they don't need to hear from me because I don't like being a windbag. Uh, I'm so afraid of being a windbag. And probably secretly, I'm afraid of talking and being thought of as less good than I am because presentations are not my strong suit. And so therefore, I'm not going to say anything at all. And I like shorter meetings. And then people think you have nothing to say. And there are people who will literally say, yeah, right. I don't have anything to say. So, okay, just don't expect to get promoted because in your next job, you're going to expect it to have things to say. And there's no proof you can do that. Right. I think the assumption is either you're not smart enough or you don't have ideas to contribute. That's one conclusion. I think there's something else too. I think people really think there are moments in people's career when they get a project that really makes them look good and they suddenly start dressing better and they hit a home run and they get a big promotion and then people start looking at them differently. And folks, that moment doesn't exist. It's not like you're average, 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 average. Suddenly you get the perfect project and now you look great and all of your skills come to the fore and nobody knew you could do all these things. That doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen right? very often. It, no. it, is, it is the climb to get promoted, the climb for more professional responsibility, even if you don't want to get promoted, is a step by step. It's a thousand steps between two floors. It's not one big jump that somebody says, oh, by the way, there's the trampoline. You go get to jump on it. Let's see if you can make it up to the next floor. Right? No, that's not it. It's a thousand steps. And one of the steps is being able to present and being able to interact in, in meetings and being thought of as somebody who has ideas and knows how to present them. Look, that's what executives do. They have ideas and they have to present them. Sometimes they present them in private. Sometimes they present them in public. But presenting in public and presenting in private isn't orders of magnitude different. It's just that one's audience is bigger and more diverse in the case of a public presentation. 
But folks, if you haven't figured it out yet, if you're meeting with another executive one-on-one and you're trying to share an idea and you're not considering that if you want them on board, it really is about the listener, then you haven't figured out what communication is about. Your career, folks, is made up of day-to-day, day-after-day-after-day of consistent performance. You can't have one awesome idea or one good project a year and no others. Right? You can't be awesome in one weekly meeting and be the shrinking violet, the other 49 or 50 or however many. These meetings are really much more important than most people realize. They think, oh, that's not my real work, or I'm having to share, you know, I'm having to be in a meeting where I'm listening to other people do their work. And so that's keeping me from getting things done. Oh gosh, staff meeting, blah, blah, blah. Right? And These meetings are your moments to really look good and to show other people that you're a professional, including your boss. And so we got to make the most of them. The preparation and the structure that we've talked about, we're going to help those of you who are nervous about speaking in public. But look, you've got to speak loud enough to be heard around the room. We recommend that you actually have people, if you're a manager, to have people stand up when they present. It's good for them to practice. Hey, Mark, before you get into what they need to do, I just want to make, I want to finish my thought there. As I said earlier, that if you don't speak up, one, they think perhaps you're not smart enough to have good <laughs> ideas, right? But yeah. the other one is executives conclude that you're not interested, right? That you're a disinterested party. And that's not a great conclusion either. Neither of those are good. Not only disinterested, I think there isn't there also the chance that they think that you're not just that you're not interested or, or, or that you don't have anything to say. But you might have something to say, but you just don't want to say it. You don't want to be involved. I think that also happens. Mm, risk averse. It's literally a judgment call on your point. You you believe you have something smart to say, but partly you're being judgmental. And we see this a lot with high D's and high C's, but you're, you're just not going to, you know, you know, th- this meeting's not important. And so I have important things to say. I'm just not going to say them. I don't want, I, in other words, I want to take my toys and go home kind of thing. And I think that's the worst of all right? That here's this meeting. The purpose of the meeting is for us to communicate and you believe it's not necessary. You're judging the meeting to be a waste of your time. And I think that happens. It's not just 5% of the time, maybe 10, 15% of the time. It's really frustrating. Yeah. I think you're right. I, uh, I just, it just, I, I just, I think we're both in agreement that it's an opportunity to be better. It doesn't take that much to be better than everybody else. And yet, then people come to complain and say, well, I'm not getting ahead. Well, tell me about your staff meetings. Oh, yeah. they suck. <laughs> My point is not that it's an opportunity to contribute. It is. It absolutely is an yeah. opportunity to be better than everybody else. But the lack of participating has lots of negatives. It's not neutral. It's not neutral. Your silence in a I lot see. of executives' minds is a complete negative. And I think it's important to get that. Yeah, I think you're right. It's not, I can succeed more if I present. Um, but if I don't present, I'm okay, right? It's either you present and you succeed or you don't present and you're seen as a failure. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think you're right. Exactly. Yeah. You said that okay, much better. Point. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Um, so, so look, you've got to speak loud enough. You've got to speak more slowly and more clearly than you think you need to. Folks, I know this is corny. Some of you are going to think that it's corny, but it's not. You've got to use your arms. You've got to make bigger gestures. That's what audiences want. You've got to use your facial expressions. You've got to over-communicate every point so that they can get more of the points that you're making. You've got to smile. (laughs) 
Wendy actually writes, look up on the top of every page of her one-on-one notes to remind her to look at the camera when she and I are video Skyping in our one-on-ones. But, you know, nothing wrong with giving yourself a little bit of help. And I, I, I'll tell you, I see people that are sitting in fairly comfortable conference room chairs. Their rear end is not up against the back of the chair. So it's more toward the front of the chair. Their shoulder blades are not above the back of the chair, but they're in the middle of the chair. The chair is leaning back and they're looking down at their notebook or God forbid worse, they're in their laptop on their lap and they're taking notes and and their entire focus is selfish. It's all internal. It's as if that if they close their eyes, you could see them falling asleep if they're really tired. And we talked about this. We've actually have a cast about, about posture in meetings. I think it's point number five, right? You've got to sit up. You've got to lean forward. I think I had a questions on the forum recently about how do you sit on a couch? And I said, well, you sit on the edge of it unless you're with a really good friend. And by the way, couch in, a, in an executive's office. Look, you're going to be the center of attention when you speak, whether you like it or not. Even for small speaking parts like this, practice helps. Practice at home. Practice in your office. Say what you're going to say out loud. And out loud is the important part, folks. It's what makes the practice work. Oh, I've seen people do it before. They say, oh, I've, I've said it in my head 20 times. And then it didn't come out that way. Well, when you say things in your head, you skip over things, right? It's like Amy Kaufman, our, our, our friend and longtime listener who said, about our conference a couple of years ago when she came to Chicago. She says, it's easy to tell yourself when you're listening to a podcast. Yeah, I can do that. I got that. Feedback seems simple and so on. And then you come to the conference and you actually have to at the manager tools conference, effective manager conference, and you actually have to give feedback to other people whom you don't know, who don't know what you're saying in your head and how perfect it's been all those times. And you realize it's not as easy as you thought. <laughs> right, right? right. That's what out loud preparation is. There's another side of that, which is, on the other hand, if you're somebody who loves to blah, 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 like me, you might need to practice expressing yourself more succinctly and not going over your 10 minutes. So speak up a little bit, raise your voice a little bit. If your voice gets a teeny bit louder, you will have more tonal inflection, which means more of your points will be heard because people need verbal, vocal, and visual diversity when they're listening to you for more than a couple of minutes. Because most conversations are only a couple of minutes long. And if you don't have the diversity in your delivery, people will begin to get bored. They will begin to hear you as background noise. And they'll tune you out. And you won't get what you want from other people, which is the whole point of it to begin with. Exactly. Now, you mentioned posture. So, real briefly, not to cover what you've already covered, but I think there's a few more details there. Yeah. Look, look um, in, in, I think it was kind of been three years ago or something. Effective meetings behavior part five. Posture is really important. The way you sit in a meeting is what leads others to draw the conclusion. You're engaged and enthusiastic. And we we made four points. Sit up, seat up, square up, which nobody seems to do anymore, and hands up. And, and sit up means, as I've already alluded to, scoot your rear end to the back of the chair. Keep your back more vertical by avoiding leaning way back in your chair. Hold your head up high. Look at others for the vast majority of a meeting. Yeah, okay, you need to look down to take a note, but then look back up when you're done taking the note. Um, when people look down at their notepad for 30 or 40 or 45 or 50 minutes in the meeting, I know they're not engaged in the meeting. And folks, don't tell me that you are and don't tell me that you take a lot of notes. I'm sorry. No other executive in the room will think that, okay? When your rear end is not up against the back of the chair, you're going to be slouching. You're naturally going to be prone to lean back, which does not send a message of engagement and effectiveness at all. It just just says you're uh, cool. Yes. Too cool. <laughs> yeah. If only people got promoted because of how cool they were 
That would be great. If only people got promotions because of how cool they were, right? Look, folks, if you want to be cool, be cool. No problem with that. I, I like people who are cool. I like hanging around you, but I just don't want you to be an executive. And I certainly don't want you to be my boss because you're more cool than everybody else in the room. When we say seat up, we mean, except for those of you who are really big or really tall, we strongly recommend that if you're a child, if your chair allows you to raise the seat of the chair, you do so. Okay. You want to be sitting up as high as you possibly can be in order to be perceived as effective and engaged. So when you say seat up, so you mean you recommend that folks raise their seats so they can be looking down on others in the power position, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for most people, you can't, with chairs, you can't be looking down on everybody else. But look, if an executive walks into the room, they make an immediate snapshot of the room. And if you're the one who's sitting up with your back straight, and if your rear end is not all the way at the back of the chair, but it's at the front of the chair, and you've got a little bit of arch in your lower back in the right direction, which is to say your lower back is concave rather than convex, and you've got your shoulders squared, and you're, if you'll pardon the expression, your belly is fairly close to the table, and everybody else is leaning back and taking notes on notebooks and so on. You come across as the deputy manager, or in fact, if your manager's doing the same thing, people might very well assume you're the manager. We don't promote people because they're cool or they're slouchy or they're comfortable or whatever. Now, look, if you have really great ideas, you can throw all this stuff away and maybe you can get by just on the strength of your ideas. I've met maybe five people in my career who are that good. And since it's a thousand steps up to the next floor, whatever the next floor is for you, you might as well take as many of those steps as you possibly can in the right direction. Square up, another point we made is, look, whoever's speaking, no matter who, you turn towards them with your upper body and square your shoulders to them when they're speaking. Now, if the person's right next to you, you don't have to turn 90 degrees, but you don't just stare vaguely into the distance when the person next to you is giving their 10-minute presentation. Turn and face the other person and look them in the eye. You'll build relationships, frankly, that way. Isn't it amazing? When you're speaking... It is a breath of fresh air when there are folks in the audience that are looking at you and engaging with yeah. you. And yes, and you can't but help feel more warmly toward that person. Let's be the manager tools team that does two casts, manager tools and career tools, and say, folks, the standard in staff meetings is wrong. It's ineffective. This looking down and pretending to ignore other people while secretly decrying that nobody pays attention to you when you're in a meeting with them is a total joke. You can't have it both ways. Gosh darn it, let's be professionals. Sit up, look at other people, make eye contact with them. If you have a question, ask them. Don't act as if meetings are beneath you. Otherwise, all you're doing is setting up a future where you're going to be the manager and you're going to wonder why everybody who works for you thinks they can get away with thinking meetings are beneath them. Don't do it. You know, what did Gandhi say? Be the change we want to see in the world, right? Don't sit there and complain about meetings and do, do and then do the very things that cause people to complain about meetings. You can't have it both ways. Well, you can, but you ought not to. And finally, what we said by hands up is for most meetings in most situations, we recommend your hands and forearms, but not your elbows rest on the table in front of you, right? I don't know why people think that putting their notebook in their lap or their laptop in their lap and then typing below the level of the table is somehow good or cool. Or by the way, you're putting your Blackberry or iPhone down in your lap and you're you're acting as if we can't see you. Right, We can see you. We know you're texting. We know you're sending email. And we know you're not in the meeting. I actually got into the habit when I was running meetings of saying to people, Bob, what do you think? Right when he was texting. At the moment I saw somebody (laughs) texting or emailing, I would immediately say, what do you think? And then I'd give them feedback afterwards. 
when you're texting and I ask you a question and you don't hear me, it comes across as unprofessional. Can you stop that? And, and there are people who didn't even realize, oh, yeah, sorry, what, what was that again? I'm sorry, I was, I was busy doing something. Yeah, you were busy doing something else, which is not part of why we're here for a meeting. Let's make meetings finish on time by everybody being in the meeting and being present when it happens. Yeah. And I, and I encourage you to do it because it's just amusing to watch it happen. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, folks, please, we, we've alluded to it. Let, let's make eye contact. All right. You need to be in contact with the people you're speaking to. And that means having your head up and looking at the other participants, both when they're speaking and when you're speaking as well. If you have a point that you're going to make and half of the team is effective, make sure you're making eye contact with the half of the team that's going to be affected by the point you're making. And that's it. That's it. Wow. Right? Yeah. Going back, it's preparation. Know what you're going to say. Prepare. Rehearse a little bit. Know the key points. When you present, put your bottom line up front. The three things you ought to be presenting on are accomplishments. Your content ought to be accomplishments, collaboration, and what you need help with. And then speak up and have an appropriate professional posture. The fact is, as much as it's maligned, your weekly staff meeting is a huge opportunity to build your career if you engage in the right behaviors. And it happens weekly. So you get a lot of opportunities to practice and to improve your behaviors. Be the person who sees this as a chance to be a pro and to do what professional athletes do, which is 10,000 times before the season starts, they have to turn double plays or they have to practice doing a bunt or they have to practice the play they're only going to use one time during the football season or whatever. You can get better really quickly and the schools you improve upon will serve you really well in those important meetings where people notice. Excellent. Thanks, my friend. That was great. My pleasure, partner. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for giving updates and staff meetings. Hope you got something out of it. Until next week, check us out in the discussion forums, www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. Hope to see you there. So long, folks. <laughs>